We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is going on, everybody? How are you doing? Welcome to a new episode of Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in today. This is going to be an audio-only episode solo today. Not going to be very long at all, quite frankly. So today is Monday, December 26th. Um, We're going to talk Buffalo Bills, at least for a few minutes. Like I said, uh, I got some talking points from Saturday's victory over the Chicago Bears, 35-13. Some good, a lot of good, a couple bad. I'll just hit on some things, how I'm feeling about that game. Hopefully, uh, you guys had a good Christmas. More on that in a second. Uh, This week is going to be an unknown week here at Talk About Flow Podcast. Typically, I have an episode every Tuesday and every Friday, and I always have the same guest, or at this point, I guess I should call him co-host for those shows. Uh, Tuesdays is with Joe Yurden, and Fridays is with Aaron Quinn. However, this being a holiday week, everything is out of whack, not to mention everything going on with the weather. Uh, long story short, on Tuesday, there won't be, well, Here's the thing. I was almost going to say there won't be a Tuesday show. I don't know if there's going to be a Tuesday show. What I do know is that Joe Yurden will be unable to do the podcast this week. He has a commitment on Monday when we usually tape. So he's going to be unable to uh, do the show on Tuesday. Ditto for Aaron Quinn this week on Friday. His kids are home. Christmas vacation. He's got uh, things going on. So he's going to be unable to tape. We usually do that on Thursday for our casual Friday episode. So again, I don't know as I'm recording this late Christmas night into Monday morning. I honestly don't know at this point for this week being a holiday week again that uh, I don't know when there's going to be a show and I don't know who's going to be on with me when and if there are episodes. I'm going to do my very best to get quality uh I guess we'll call them substitute teachers for Tuesday and for Friday. We'll see what happens though. So like I said, you know, if you got your, uh, your podcast feed, just, just give it a look. And if, uh, hopefully we'll be in there at least once or twice this week, circling back to what I said. And again, we'll get to the bills in just a minute. Not going to be a long episode today at all. Um, 
I hope you guys had a good Christmas. And I guess part part of that depends on where you live, quite frankly. It was um this was tough. And look, I had all things considered, I had a good Christmas. I I got to wake up Christmas morning with my wife and my son. And not too long after that, my daughter made it over. So we got to open up our gifts and I don't want to sound bitter and complaining when I know that for so many people out there, um, they had things a hell of a lot worse than I did. I want to preface that right off the bat. As I'm taping this late on Christmas night, and this is just so uh so heartbreaking to even say right now, but as I'm recording this, 10 people reported to be dead from this Buffalo blizzard that just absolutely crushed all of Western New York. And I'm sure many areas around that over the weekend talking what Friday, Saturday into Sunday, 10 people confirmed dead. And I'm sure that unfortunately and sadly is going to, uh, that number is going to go up. My hearts go out to the families out there who I just, God, I, I, I just can't imagine it. Just can't imagine. It's just so terrible. So again, I know there's so many, it could be so much worse. Absolutely. No question about it. I personally have two friends who were stranded in a car on Bailey Avenue in, in William. Uh, this happened on Friday. Yeah. Friday. And then I'm spending nearly 14 hours stranded in a car before they were finally able to get rescued and and make it to somebody's house who didn't have power but at least they got out of their car it literally ran out of gas while they were stranded so again i know people who are stranded um i have a friend who went to her baby daddy's house and they're not exactly you know on, on the best of terms and to pick up her son and she ended up stranded and trapped there um, with no power as well for for more than two days as of christmas afternoon she still wasn't able to get home with her son and and have Christmas and have him open up his gifts. I know many, many, many people who have went many hours and even a couple days running in some cases with no power right now. So I know there's just so many people that have it a lot worse than I do. Okay. I did not lose power for very long at all. Um, and my Christmas by comparison to a lot of people out there wasn't that affected. So again, I need to, to say that I'm very grateful and blessed and lucky in a lot of ways. I know that, but still it doesn't take away from the fact that this just, I mean, quite frankly, I was really looking forward to this Christmas and it just, it wasn't good. It's not a good one. I mean, this weather in Western New York has just been, it's been unbelievable. Just in what, six weeks now, we've had three major storms. We had like Island and West Seneca. We had like five or six feet of snow dumped on us in, in mid-November. A handful of weeks ago, we had a, another major snowstorm. That was the night that the Bills played on Sunday night. So, you know, you have that. And then this is, of course, uh, a blizzard. I mean, like a literal blizzard. And I'm hearing people already comparing it to the blizzard of 77, which is nuts. So it's it's just been just been a lot, man. It, it really has. And 
I don't know. I guess I'm just, I'm feeling a little bit down. Again, knowing that I'm blessed and lucky compared to so many other people out there. But it still, it doesn't make me feel good. I mean, this year, I, I really did. I wanted to go all out. I had my Christmas tree up earlier than I've ever had it. Decorations up earlier than I've ever put them up. Listening to Christmas music for a good five, six weeks. Uh, I watched like a dozen brand new 2022 Christmas movies this season between Netflix and HBO Max and, and Apple TV. By the way, no classics at all. A couple of decent ones, but nothing that'll be in like the rotation for, for future years, I don't think. But anyway, like I said, I was just so into it, man. And this this weather, what, what a bummer. What a bummer, man. Again, it ranges from being inconvenienced, like I've been, my family's been to, in some cases, uh, dangerous. So again, hopefully everyone out there is, uh, is safe first and foremost. And, uh, like I said, man, I hope you enjoyed your Christmas, man. I really do. I hope your Christmas was better than mine. Uh, quite frankly. Anyway, again, like I said, solo here, no guests. I'm going to jump right into it. The Buffalo Bills Saturday, Christmas Eve, uh, they defeated the Chicago Bears 35-13. to Blowout in the end, but quite, you know, it wasn't really, it, it didn't feel like a blowout until the very end. Because it wasn't a blowout to the very end. This was a game that was really frustrating, especially in the first half. The Buffalo Bills were down 10-6 at halftime on Saturday against a 3-10 football team, the Chicago Bears, and you know, if I'm being honest, they, they were kind of lucky to be down just four points. Um, second half, different story, of course. The Bills put up 29, held Chicago to three. And, uh, you know, there you go. The Buffalo Bills are now 6-0 and this season in games that are not played on Sundays. And by the way, if you're a Jordan Poyer fan, and I am a Jordan Poyer fan, stat worth noting, the Bills are now 15-0 and in Jordan Poyer's last 15 games with the Bills. So that's almost a full NFL season. Jordan Poyer puts on the pads and he's out there with his team playing. The Bills flat out have not lost in 15 games. Pretty unbelievable. But uh, like I said, a lot of good, some bad. Uh, let's just jump right into the good and let's start, you know, again, we always spend so much time on, on this podcast, and when you listen to a lot of other shows, it's always about the offense. And I understand why, because that's where the majority of the stars are. But let's start with the defense on Saturday, because I'll tell you what, that defense was stellar. Well, not, not the first drive. First drive, very much not stellar. They gave up 74 yards and a score on the first drive. It looked like they were still sleeping. I don't know what it was. Uh, cold, not into the game, not ready to play, but Chicago took the opening kickoff, 74 yards, makes up the running pass, and they made it look really easy. It was right off the bat, we're sitting here, you know, some people are tweeting, some people are jumping on their Facebook or are yelling at their family members or friends, whoever they might have watched the game with. If you're lucky enough to even have power to watch the game, but anyway, it was just a really ugly start for the Bills defense. 74 yards on the first drive, and then bam, that was it. That was it. Rest of the game, the defense gave up just 135 yards after the 74 yards on the opening drive. Just a buck 35 
for the rest of the game. And I'll tell you what, out of that 135, 44 of it came on a catch that, uh, quite frankly, Trey White misplayed. Um, he kind of turned the wrong way. He, it should have been picked off. So 44 of those 135 were on one lucky pass play. And then 25 of uh, that 135 came at the very end of the game. Garbage time, literally. Um, last drive yards from, of all people, former Buffalo Bills quarterback, Nate Peterman. I forgot he was even in the league, let alone with the Bears. So he got in the game at the end, um, picked up 25 yards. And of course, threw an interception. I mean, to be fair to him, it was a Hail Mary at the end of the game. But he threw an interception. Jaquan Jones came down with it in the end zone to uh, officially put a bowl on the game. But what a great defensive effort, man. They held the Bears to just 2 of 12 on third downs and just 1 of 4 on fourth downs. Uh, Justin Fields, who's been, you know, the Bears are not a good team, but Justin Fields has been, he's been killing it, especially over the last, what, six to eight weeks or so. The guy came into the game with over 1,000 yards rushing, and the Bills held him just 11 yards on seven carries. I mean, they defensed him really well. They had a guy on him the whole game. They did not let him get started in the running game. Did a great job on Justin Fields. Did a great job on their entire offense. And I'll tell you, I, I mean, if you really think about it, folks, I no one on this defense struggled. You know, a lot of times the Bills as a unit defensively might play well, but there's one or two guys when you're really nitpicking that you could kind of lay into. Not, not on Saturday, man. No one on this defense struggled on Saturday. Everybody, I think anyway, contributed in some kind of positive manner. Um, Ed Oliver had a sack and a batted pass on fourth down. A.J. Vanessa had a sack. Uh, Tremaine Evans and Matt Milano, I mean, again, throw away the tackle stats because I never care about that, that stat. I think it's such an overrated stat. But they were outstanding, man. They played so well in space. They were moving around fast, closing up running lanes, making plays. Um, Yeah, Edmonds and Milano were just absolutely outstanding. And I'll tell you, the, the human punching bag for the Bills defense for a lot of this year and for good reason, it's been Dane Jackson, but dinner at the Bills on Saturday. In fact, Dane Jackson made a really nice play. He caused a fumble that uh, Tim Settle ended up um, recovering. So just a, a really good effort overall from the defense. And, and then the other thing that I thought was really, really good was the Bills running game. In fact, the Bills running game was awesome. Uh, season best, I think it was like 247 yards on the ground which was the most the Bills have had rushing in a game since they had 272 against uh, the Miami Dolphins all the way back in 2016. Devin Singletary, 12 carries, 106 yards, and a touchdown. James Cook, 11 carries, 99 yards, and a touchdown. Josh Allen, 6 carries, 41 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, the Bills were running the ball extremely, extremely effectively. It, it was a good game for both running backs. Devin Singletary, who I, I feel like sometimes he lacks vision. He was making guys miss. He was hitting holes. He was he was on his game, man. He looked really good. He had a strong game. Uh, James Cook, I tweeted about this a couple times through like the first two and a half, three quarters. I thought, quite frankly, James Cook might have been the best player on the Bills on Saturday. He looked like he was getting shot out of a cannon on some of his carries. 
Again, 11 carries, 99 yards, and a touchdown one yard short of 100. It was a really good game for the Bills running the ball. And the offensive line, I thought, played really well, especially considering their starting center, Mitch Morris, is out with a concussion. Who knows when or if he'll be back. I thought Ryan Bates did a good job at center. Went out with a knee injury for a short amount of time, but came back. Um, Greg Van Roden stepped in, played pretty well at right guard. I thought, you know, Spencer Brown minus a, a stupid penalty. What else is new? Ditto for Roger Staffel. These guys had some nice blocks. I thought the interior line especially played well because there were a lot of gaps, a lot of holes for the Bills to run up uh, with the middle. I didn't hear Deion Dawkins' name, I don't think, the entire game, which I guess if you're an offensive lineman, that's a good thing. So I thought, you know, Bobby Hart had plenty of snaps too. He did a good job blocking. So the offensive line played well. Now look, the Chicago Bears are not world beaters. I don't even quite, I can't even tell you who uh, most of the front seven guys are at this point. I'm serious too. But who cares? Whatever. You got to be able to run the football. And it's been a lot of games this year where I feel like the Bills had opportunities to put teams away, but they didn't because they couldn't effectively run the ball. In fact, just a week ago, I thought that was the case. Um, so, you know, they, they let, I, I felt like they let Miami hang around because they're, of their inability to, to chew up clock, move the chains, and run the football. Definitely not the case on Saturday. And I'll tell you, I really, really like what I'm seeing from James Cook. I do. Now, I don't know. If, you know, it's kind of been one step forward, one step back. I don't want to say two steps back, but one step forward, one step back with Cook. He looks like he's ready to break out. And then the next week, you don't see much of him at all. He doesn't do much. Maybe he makes a mistake. And then he kind of takes a back seat to Devin Singletary. But I really like James Cook at this point. I really, really do. And I think when push comes to shove, postseason time, playoffs, and the Bills, especially if, if they're down and they need some, some plays, and especially in the passing game, I, I really think James Cook is going to be a bigger part of this offense. I cannot wait until after this year and seeing James Cook take the reins because I think that's what's going to happen. I, I think Singletary is going to go somewhere else and get paid. And I'll tell you what, if he runs like he did on Saturday, he's going to earn it because he looked really good on Saturday. But a very promising sign for the Bills to be able to run the football. And I really like the way the offensive line, at least on this game or uh, on this date, the way they played. Anyway, all right, let's take a real quick break. I'm going to come back again. A lopsided victory for the Bills, but that doesn't mean all was well. There were some issues and I got thoughts on a couple of them. So uh, be back right after this quick break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
sports fans who like to wager, which is pretty much everyone these days, I'm here to tell you about Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, look no further than Odds Trader. Why is Odds Trader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them. You're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting the underdogs or profiting the most if you're going to go with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different sign-up codes and promos from the sports books to get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, the Odds Trader app gives you the player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a bet tracker so that you can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're into betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Oddstrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. All right, I'm back talking Buffalo Bills and and a big victory on Saturday to move the Bills to 12-3 and as they remain in the driver's seat and control their own destiny to secure uh, the number one seed in the AFC with just two games to go. So anyway, we talked about uh, some of the good things that we saw from the Bills on Saturday. The offensive line blocked well. The running backs had really good vision, and, and they looked fast and decisive. We liked that a lot. And, of course, the defense after that first series was almost lights out. I mean, they played Really good. But here we go on the other side, man. You know, Josh Allen, he struggled on Saturday. And it was a little bit worrisome. It was his worst game, in my opinion, anyway. I thought this was his worst game since the first Jets game. And maybe even worse. Uh, The numbers, 15 to 26, 172 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. I mean, that's not terrible numbers. And if you add in the 41 yards rushing in a touchdown, you're looking at a quarterback who accounted for uh, 213 total yards from, of offense plus three touchdowns. I mean, if that's Josh Allen's floor and you're going to criticize him for playing bad, then you know he's a damn good quarterback. But see, that's the thing. He is a damn good quarterback. But he didn't really play like one for a lot of this game on Saturday. Those two interceptions that he threw... Both of those picks were awful. And I'm going to be honest with you. He also threw other interceptable balls. Josh Allen easily could have had three or even four picks. And look, you can't completely discount the weather. I haven't even talked about the weather yet. I mean, that it was cold. What, minus 12 wind chill or something like that? It was crazy. Single digit uh, temperature for the game. Very cold. So you can't discount the weather. It's unfair to, to talk about a quarterback playing in those conditions and, and not acknowledge that. But still, this game reminded me of the Josh Allen that struggled badly against the Jets. The Josh Allen that looked really, really good at times against the Vikings, but then gave the game away with a couple really bad turnovers. Even the Josh Allen that looked 
invincible in the first half against the Green Bay Packers, but threw two garbage interceptions in the second half. Didn't matter because the Bills were well out in front. But that's the kind of Josh Allen that we saw on Saturday. And it's, frankly, it's it's scary, man. In some regards, the Bills are kind of lucky that they played the Chicago Bears here on Christmas Eve. Because I'll tell you what, the Josh Allen that we saw last week against the Miami Dolphins, that Josh Allen could beat any team, any quarterback in the entire NFL, no question about it. The Josh Allen that we saw on Saturday in Chicago, again, with a lot of elements, having to travel and leave early. Again, there's there's lots of factors, okay? And I'm not necessarily making up excuses. It sounds like I am. But at the end of the day, the way Josh Allen played, the way he threw the football, bad throws. And I'm not even just talking about the interceptions, by the way. I mean, there were some plays, guys were wide open and he short hopped it, um, didn't plan his foot. Both, again, both those interceptions were really ugly interceptions, just like when he went through that a little bit of a, a cold streak against Minnesota uh, and the Viking or Minnesota and the New York Jets. The way he played, I'll tell you, 15, maybe 20 teams around the league could have beat the Bills on Saturday. Not the Chicago Bears, of course, because they're just not any good. They're not. They're not a good football team at all. There's, I think the Chicago Bears are the least talented football team from one to 53 on the roster that the Bills have played this entire season. But the way Josh played on Saturday, the mistakes he made, they could have cost him. There's teams, a lot of teams around the league would have beat the Bills if Josh Allen makes those mistakes. And another thing besides the numbers, when he was struggling and the Bills are such, so effectively running the football, there was a time, in the, I think it might have been in the third quarter, maybe early in the fourth, where we were yelling for them, run the football more, run it more. And, and they kind of got away from it a little bit. I don't know if that's Ken Dorsey getting away from it. I don't know if that's Josh Allen checking out of Ken Dorsey run calls, but whatever it was, you could just tell. This was the kind of game where the Bills, as well as they ran the ball, should have ran the ball even more and threw even less. Not a good game for Josh Allen. But again, 213 yards, three touchdowns. That's your floor. That's your bad game. I guess you're going to live with that. Um, another guy, too, and I'll tell you, I, I defended Gabe Davis to the end of this earth. I really have, man. It is... uh. I've been a big fan of his going back to well before the Chiefs four touchdown playoff game last year. I mean, I've been very high on Gabe Davis for a long time. I've compared him to Mike Evans. People thought it was crazy. Then I didn't look crazy. And I still don't look crazy, but that's only because Mike Evans ain't doing shit this year with, with Tampa Bay. But I'll tell you, man, again, I defend this guy, but it's getting harder and harder and harder and harder to do it. I don't care about the numbers. He had three catches, 45 yards and a touchdown. But you know what? He also lost a fumble. Though to be fair, sometimes you got to give credit to the guy in defense. I, he punched the ball. I made a good play, but there was a play where Josh, which was a bad throw, but he threw it behind Gabe Davis in the end zone and the Chicago Bears defender had his back to him. And if Gabe Davis makes any kind of effort to actually get to the football, make a play on the football, he probably draws a defensive pass interference because again, the Bears defender was literally had his back turned to the football, no clue where it was. I don't think Gabe could have caught the ball, but he could have drew a penalty. He just kind of stood there. There was another play where uh, Gabe Davis caught the ball, but he went out of bounds. I mean, there was no one even around him. I mean, what are you doing with your feet? What kind of footwork you got going on here? It just, he looks explosive. He makes big plays. And at times he looks like a very, very, very good receiver in his league. 
And then there's times where, quite frankly, the only word I can come up with when describing the way Gabe Davis looks out there is lazy. It's crazy. And, you know, I should also mention, he's actually a very good blocker. But sometimes it's just like, there, it looks like there's no effort on the play. His routes don't look crisp. They look like lazy routes. Again, he made a lazy play in the end zone. Doesn't get his feet down. It's just, it, it looked like a lazy game for him, man. I, I don't like it. And, and it does concern me a little bit that if you can't get Stephon Diggs going, which they didn't do in Chicago at all, he only had, uh, what, three catches, two catches? Only one target in the first half, too. But if you if Gabe Davis doesn't have going on, man, I, I don't know that I can trust Gabe Davis at this point. I, I just don't. So that concerns me. Again, Stephon Diggs, I don't care what kind of coverage, I don't care what kind of conditions you, you got going on out there. He's one of the best two or three receivers in the NFL. You cannot get this guy just one target in an entire half. And that's what the Bills did. One target, no catches in the first half. Just two for 26 for the entire game. Didn't matter in a 29-point win or 22-point win, I should say, as the Bills put up 29 in the second half. Didn't matter this week. But, man, you cannot make a habit of that. He's way too good for that. And then uh, two other things, too, about this game that really bothered me when it comes to the Bills. A, special teams were kind of a disaster, especially in the first half. Got better in the second half, but still. A big, big reason why the Bills were losing 10-6 at the half was because of special teams. Uh, they missed Tyler Bass missed an extra point when they scored a touchdown. Uh, he missed a field goal. They allowed a 41-yard kick return. Naheem Himes for the second time this season. Second time, I think, actually in two weeks. If not, maybe it was three weeks, but it was definitely within three weeks, if not two. Naheem Himes let a ball bounce that he should have found a way to make a fair catch. It costed him over 20 yards of field position. Chicago down the ball at the two-yard line. It resulted in an ugly three-and-out drive for the Bills. They're almost putting out of their end zone. So a very bad, bad, bad uh, first half of special teams for the Bills. Second half, a little bit better. Although Saran, Saran Neal had a, a block in the back that cost him a nice return by Naheem Hines. I, I believe that might have been, was it to start the second half? Yeah, it was. So yeah, a special teams penalty to start the second half. So special teams, which has been a pretty good strength for the Bills all season long, definitely was a, a sore spot on Saturday. And I mentioned a Saran Neal penalty. That's my last thing, the penalties. Ugly game for the Bills, undisciplined game with penalties. The Bills had nine penalties for 72 yards, and the Chicago Bears only had two for 15. And it wasn't one of those games where you look at the TV and say, oh, the refs are... You know, they're giving everything to Chicago. They're calling everything against Buffalo. Now, the Bills had a lot of penalties that were stupid and deserved. You had your weekly Roger Staffold holding penalty. You had your weekly uh, Spencer Brown holding penalty. Ball starts, offsides, things like that. It was it was just a, a really annoying game when it comes to uh, penalties. So, again, you're playing the Bears. You're going to get away with a lot of shit when you're playing the Chicago Bears that you're probably not going to get away with against better teams. So I guess get it out of your system. But to recap, not a good game for Josh Allen. Not by his standards, at least anyway. Gabe Davis looking lazy. Stephon Diggs, you got to get him the football. Special teams really bad, at least in the first half, and just too many damn penalties for the Bills. That's the bad. Looking forward, I'll tell you, <laughs> just like many of you, uh, 
especially if you're a Bills fan, you watch that Patriots Bengals the end of the game. So the Bengals get up what twenty two nothing, and it looks you know that game's a laugher. But New England comes back, and it's twenty two eighteen. Then they got the ball. Then they get into the red zone, and then they get a first down, and it's first and goal. The Bengals are out of timeouts. The Bengals got first and goal, I believe, from the four-yard line, and Stevenson fumbles, and the Bengals recover. Game over. That was big. That was a, you know, you hope, if you're a Bills fan, hoping for good things to happen besides your game, Cincinnati losing would have been huge for the Bills. I'll explain why. Anyway, the Bengals won. And it sets up a monster Monday night football game next week for both teams, quite frankly. It is a big, big game. One of the biggest games of the regular season. And there's a lot at stake uh, for both teams. For the Bills, look, I don't want to look ahead of the New England Patriots at home in Orchard Park the final week, but I'm going to do that. To me, as far as I'm concerned, if the Buffalo Bills go into Cincinnati next Monday night and they win, they're the number one seed. Again, all you're going to do is beat New England at home the next week. So if the Bills handle business and beat the Bengals on the road, they are the number one seed. And if they lose, you're probably, you know, before even if they lose, if the Bills beat the Bengals, I said they're probably the number one seed. All they got to do is beat the Patriots. Even if by some crazy, crazy outcome, the Bills beat the Bengals and then they gag and they lose at home against the Patriots in week 18, they still would be no worse than the two seed. So if the Bills win on Monday night, they're a home victory against New England away from being the one seed and getting a bye, and at worst, they're the two seed for the playoffs. But they go into Cincinnati and they lose, they're probably looking at the three seed in the AFC. Probably looking at the three seed. The only way the Bills wouldn't end up the three seed is if the Bengals beat the Bills on Monday Night Football, but then they lost, which is in Cincinnati the last week of the season. They're at home against division rival Baltimore. So as the Bengals beat the Bills and they beat Baltimore at home, then the Bills drop to the three seed. Well, why does that matter, two or three? Well, that's the difference. You know, if the Bills are the two seed, they're guaranteed two playoff games. As long as they win the first game, they're guaranteed two playoff games at home. Of course, if they're the, they get the bye in the number one season, they get a bye in the first round, and then they're guaranteed in the divisional round a home game and the conference championship if they make it. But if they're the three seed, besides playing the sixth seed instead of the seventh seed in Orchard Park in the first round, assuming the Bengals were the two seed and assuming the Bengals beat whoever the seventh seed is in the playoffs, when they play again in the divisional round, that game will be in Cincinnati. So long story short, the difference between a two seed and a three seed, assuming there's no upsets in the first round of the playoffs, is that instead of playing in Buffalo in round two, the divisional round, you're going to have to go to Cincinnati and beat them on the road. Not saying that's impossible by any means, of course, but you want to be at home. You want to be in Orchard Park uh, for the playoffs. So a very big game, a lot to look forward to coming up next week. And uh, again, you know, normally I'd say like we're going to talk about it all week long because this is a very, very, very big game. But again, I don't know how this week's going to play out with the podcast. I'm hoping to have at least one more episode. Follow me on Twitter 
at Pat Moran Tweets. I'll definitely let you know there. Or Talk Buffalo Podcast, or my Facebook page. I'll let you know when the episode's coming up, if there's one coming up this week, who the guest is going to be, and all kinds of stuff like that. So thank you very much for listening. And again, I want to try to be a Debbie Downer when it comes to Christmas. I'm very lucky, very grateful that I got, I got to spend it with my family and that we're healthy and that we're safe, that we have power, that... You know, we got, I got, didn't lose internet, got to watch TV and spend quality time together. People are out there freezing their asses off, not being able to get home to their kids for Christmas. That sucks. And in some cases, even fatalities. And I mean, that's just unspeakable to happen around Christmas time because of a blizzard, just unfathomable. So anyway, thank you very much for listening. And uh, I'll be back. I don't know when, but I'll be back sometime, hopefully later this week. Take care, guys. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.